I refuse to believe that like I have one lane and one identity that I'm supposed to chase for the next 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Like I have so many talents and life is so short to only fulfill one purpose. And I feel like I have multiple purposes and multiple assignments that God has placed on my life. So I, I feel honored and, and blessed and privileged to be able to say, okay, even if I do fail at the next thing, at least I'll have fun trying it out. Like that's what life is about. The thrill of like the failure is a possibility, but also the successes too. Welcome to CEO School. We're your hosts, Sunir Madani and Shannon Monson, and we believe you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and we're on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who've made it to the 2% Club, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they've defied the odds so you can do it too. You're a real business now, and class is officially in session. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Glow Atanmo, today. She is phenomenal, has had an incredible career from a graphic designer to a semi-pro basketball player to an overseas English tutor to travel blogger to now business mentor, built a seven-figure business from the ground up, pure grit, hustle, determination, and is now taking a completely different direction with it. And I'm really excited for her to share her story with you because I know in the midst of a global pandemic, this is a time where a lot of us are really reevaluating. What do we want next for our life? So Glow, welcome to the podcast. Ah, so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And what an intro. Holla. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. If you guys do not already follow Glow on Instagram, Glow is at Glow Graphics. And she has amassed over almost a quarter of a million followers on Instagram. So this woman is one of the most phenomenal content creators that I've personally seen. Incredible writer, storyteller, so fun to follow along. And I'm really excited for you to kind of take us through how did you get here? <laughs> How did you get here on this podcast as a seven-figure entrepreneur? Where did it start? Take us back to the beginning. Hosa. It's it's so funny to like just think back on my story because there's so many chapters where I'm like, was that the moment that I broke through? Was that the moment that I knew I was going to do this? But I always think of the very first time I learned the word entrepreneur. I was 11 years old. It was Mr. Miranda. It was career day. And he put a bunch of career options on flashcards and he put it at the front of the, the desk or front of the room on a desk. And he said, all right, everyone pick your career, lawyer, firefighter, police officer, librarian, technician, all of these options, at least 30. And everyone rushed to get their flashcards. Like, oh my gosh, like everyone knew at 11 years old what they were going to do for the rest of their lives. And I stood there at the front <laughs> of the room and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, why am I so different? Why don't I, I'm like waiting for my heart to skip a beat reading over these different names on the flashcards, I felt nothing. At 11 years old, I learned that I do not like to settle. I went back to my desk. I did not pick a card. I didn't like my options. Oh, I love that. Look at you at 11 years old saying, you don't tell me what to do. If it doesn't feel aligned, I'm not doing it. I love that. That sounds exactly like something my daughter would do. Sit back down. Nope. Mr. What was his name? Miranda. Mr. Miranda. I'm good. (laughs) Those aren't for me. How cool that you knew even then to be so true to yourself. You know, I've always been a little bit of a rebel. So I think that that aspect of like, well, I'm just not going to pick a card. I think it was a little bit of like attitude, but also that feeling of isolation. Like, why don't I know what I want to do? Well, screw it. I'm just not going to do it then. You know, so ah, it it, it was this mix. But Mr. Miranda, when he called my name, because I have a last name that starts with an A. So of course he had everyone stand up to read their card. 
And when I told him I didn't pick a car, he told me to stay after class. And right then and there, he was like, I want you to go home and look up the word entrepreneur. <gasps> yeah. Cool. He definitely turned- How self-aware of him. That, you know, and I was always, I was a talkative one in class. I was always getting in trouble, always getting detention. And so I think he knew that whatever I was going to do, it was going to be in a lane of my own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel seen right now. I feel incredibly <laughs> seen. I hear that a hundred percent. Okay. So you knew from a young age that you weren't going to take a traditional path. And I'm actually curious, cause I know that you are a uh, Nigerian, your parent, your parents are immigrants. Yes. Yes. So what career path had they chosen? And did you come home and say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur? And what, what was that conversation like? You don't really have that conversation with Nigerian parents because okay. like when Nigerian mothers get pregnant, there's a running joke that says like, oh, you know, are you having a boy or girl? And they say, mm, I'm having a doctor. I'm going to Stop. have a... I'm having a lawyer. And it's like, they don't tell you the gender. They tell you the profession. Like that's how invested <laughs> they are <laughs> into what you're going to be. So it's not even a conversation. So even though I started my first blog at 11 because of that entrepreneurial. You did? Yeah. <laughs> Blogs were around when you were 11? It was a platform called Exanga. It has been bought out. Yes. Yeah. So you are really, you are really on the verge of this. Okay. So not only did you realize at 11, you're doing this, like you jumped in to start then. It wasn't like, this is what I'll do when I'm 20. You're like, no, my career starts now. It was almost like, imagine who was the first person that gave you like that permission slip to like be free. Mr. Miranda gave me the permission slip to go explore entrepreneurship. So I went on the internet and I was like going down this rabbit hole. I'm like, okay, I can build a business. What does that mean? Well, let me start a website. And I I saw Xanga was free. So I created my first blog, like thinking like that was what a business was. Yeah, it was. Well, look at, you've turned it into, now you have a seven figure blog if you did it. Yeah. And it, it's actually my travel blog, which was what I became most known for. was actually my sixth blog. So mm. A lot of people forget like the first few attempts are going to fail because you, the you don't first know what six attempts. Yeah, exactly. Okay. A couple of things that you said first, I'm thinking through that, who gave you that permission slip. And if like for the people listening right now, I think a lot of times we are looking for permission and it's interesting because it doesn't sound like you really got that from your parents. You know, I, it was not exactly what they had in mind for you for their life. And I think a lot of times we are looking for that external permission. So for someone listening that you feel like you are going against the grain, what advice would you give to just give yourself the permission slip? It's tough. You know, I think at the end of the day, I want to say, like, be your own biggest fan. You know what you want to do. Look yourself in the mirror and repeat those affirmations. But let's be real. We need our best friend to coddle us. We need someone to tell us, like, you can do this glow. And, you know, if you can find someone, whether it's a neighbor, a coach, a teacher, someone who's a little bit older than you that can pour into you in a way that your peers can't, it's so important. I remember in elementary school, again, I was very isolated because I was so different. And I always remember thinking, I don't want to say in a way like, oh, I thought, you know, more advanced than my friends, but I always wanted to talk ideas and goals and dreams and friends, you know, they didn't really want to discuss that. So I, I was in class talking with teachers a lot. So my friends were like my teachers, which sounds so pathetic because, you know, teacher's pet, but I think that that's super important. Like if you're a teenager, if you're a young adult, find people who are in a career that it doesn't even have to be what you want to do, but they understand the importance of following a path and just honing in on your craft and and doing something that gives you fulfillment and purpose. 
I think everybody listening can relate to not fitting in and not knowing their place. I mean, the things that make us phenomenal entrepreneurs are the things that nobody else gets about us. And so I think that's a very relatable moment. I'm just sitting here like, oh yeah, I did I did a lot of those things too. And so if you felt like you didn't fit in your whole life, sometimes entrepreneurship can be the first time that you really do have permission to be yourself. And so I would love to hear about, you know, your path to where you're at now. You tried a whole bunch of different things. Um, You had six different blogs. How did you keep going? Was there ever a point where you're like, maybe this wasn't what it was cracked up to be? You know, I... When you don't even know what you're reaching towards, it makes it easier to just keep going. I didn't know what I was building, but I was like, ooh, I own a corner of the internet and I can put whatever I want on it. And I remember Patricia in Virginia. She was 13 years old when I was 11. She was my first like follower on Xinga. And I was like, guys, I've made it. I'm famous. Someone in Virginia, as a California girl, I was like, Virginia is might as well. The other coast. It, no, it's Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Patricia, what? You like my words? And that feeling of connection, because again, yeah. when you're isolated in real life, that connection you find online is everything. And I, I chase the connection. So no matter what yeah. the niche or the category or the topic was, because I did like a gossip blog, I had a music blog, I had a sports blog an academic blog when I got to college, no matter what the niche or the topic was, that feeling of connection and writing words that people resonated with, that's what I chased. Oh, this is so good. I'm thinking, okay, the very beginning, I talked about how you have like a quarter of a million people following your words. That's (laughs) insane, right? And so to pull back, I'm thinking you had, I would guess probably a hundred people following your sports blog, a hundred, you know what I mean? There were different times the reason that you have the success that you have right now is because of those six blogs nobody ever saw. I didn't even know that until now. And I feel like I've been following you pretty closely. And so I think that's actually really encouraging um, to realize that I'm, I'm thinking like I had so many, I had a baking blog. Oh, did you know that? I did I a baking that's, blog, that's cute. a children's that's clothing right. line. It's cute, right? That's how I it's wholesome. Like my blog was so ghetto. <laughs> it was ghetto. I was like, yo, 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 what's up in this house? G money in this BZ. Like that's how I talked at 11. So I love it. I would like to read your gossip blog at some point if it still exists on the internet. <laughs> I have archived everything. Thank God for growth. <laughs> <laughs> but really. Okay. So um, I would like to talk about like your journey from, cause one of the big things we talk about on this podcast is the 2% club, mm-hmm. less than 2% of female founders ever break a million dollars in revenue. It shouldn't be like a congrats. You are, you defied the odds, but you did. And so I'd love to hear, what do you think are the three, if you could pick out like three things that made you this, you know, walking statistic that was able to join the 2% club from that 11 year old who didn't know what she wanted to be when she grew up. Well, first and foremost, like shout out to you for having this podcast that speaks to the 2% and aspiring 2%ers. Because when we first connected this year, I was like, whoa, like when you told me that stat, I was like, are you kidding me? And it made me even hungrier. Because remember, I was telling you, I was so close. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I think I'll like barely hit it by December and ended up hitting it like three months out. But it, it was so. In, not encouraging, but I just was like, just even hungrier to be like, oh, I, I yeah. know I can do this. And especially as a solopreneur, I wanted to really prove to myself that I was capable. And I think if I can break down like the three biggest aspects that helped me scale first and foremost, and I feel like this is so cliche, but it's so important because literally had I not invested in Brendan Burchard's mastermind or started going to seminars, 
hands down, I wouldn't even know what, what I would be doing with my business. So first and foremost, mentorship. You got to find someone who is 10 steps, 100 steps ahead of where you are in your business. Because as a travel blogger, I was comfortable making six figures. When you do something and you don't expect to do more than the initial goal you set, a six-figure blog was literally, that was my bottom line. I was like, oh, if I do that, I'm, I'm cool. Like that'll be... That I, my very first year as a full-time travel blogger, I made $7,000, 7,000 in a whole year, in 12 months. I can't even break that down, but it's like probably it, it's, it's, it's not much. It is. And you were working a lot of hours, you know, around the clock a lot of hours. and I was just hustling and building. So for me, like a hundred thousand, I was like, Whoa, I would be so rich if I can do that as a travel blogger. So once I, I think got- it is the goal too, for a lot of women, like mm-hmm. a six figure business is something we aspire to. But if you only make six figures in revenue, you've got a virtual assistant, you've got expenses, you've got taxes, you're okay. bringing home. Yeah. Not a lot of money. It's not that much. And I think the first time I hit it, that I quickly realized, I'm like, oh. Mm. You can but do better, yeah. It, exactly. And so, and I also want to talk about, like, it's not so much, like, reaching seven figures. Like, oh, I'm a millionaire. Like, oh, it's not so much that. It's the person that you become in pursuit of that mm. 2% status. Oh, tell me more. The discipline, the hustle, the grit, the laser focus, the accountability, the habits, the morning routine. There's so much things that don't make your Instagram grid that people don't see. And I had to really align myself with a mentor who was just, who was already there. So I can look at my business and be like, oh, I'm not doing that. And a lot of times, guys, you think that like, it's this revolutionary thing to get to a seven-figure business, but a lot... A lot of times it's just a couple tweaks, a couple changes, a couple streamlined sequences that help you automate things. And I was bottlenecking my business, not even knowing it. Um, So number one, mentorship. I got to pause you. I have to pause you because I don't think I've ever resonated with something so hard because I think that a lot of times you're right. We do think that it's just, oh, I just need more followers or I just need more. But if I had to pinpoint the thing that got me from six to seven, it was me. It was the unlearning. It was the adopting new beliefs, believing in myself in this next level and unlocking. And to hear you say it was the morning routine. It was the discipline. It was saying no to things that you'd said yes to previously. I, You absolutely become a new person. And I think that that's the thing that personally I'm the most proud of. It's not the dollars. And so it's really cool to hear you say that you're you probably feel like a completely different person than you were at that six-figure travel blogger level. 1,000%. You literally cannot stay the same person as a six to seven-figure person. It's impossible. You break through so many blocks mentally. It's, you can't go back to how you thought as a six-figure earner. You yeah. uh, It's gold. Okay, number two. Tell us number two. Number two, you have to stay hungry for education. Like I got to some places in my travel blogging career where I had to humble myself. I was like, oh, I'm five-figure contracts, getting paid to travel around the world, working with these brands. Life is good. You get to a point where you think you know it all and you quickly get Mm. humbled and reminded that like there's so much more that you don't know that you don't know. So make sure whether it's giving yourself a goal to read a new book a week or again, attending quarterly seminars surrounding yourself or, or investing in masterminds and surrounding yourself with people who are also hungry or high, high achievers, um, always stay hungry for more education because there's just so much more to learn. <laughs> That's so good. What are some of your, like, per, is there a personal development routine that you can't start your morning without doing this? Or, or is it just over in, in general, an attitude of, you know, continued learning? 
Oh gosh, my morning routine. So I also highly recommend you guys change or play around with your morning routine every single month. It's my favorite part of the first of every month is like, Ooh, what am I going to change with my morning routine? But some things that are non-negotiables are I have a meditation that I use a calm app. I've been on them for like two years. Um, but there's also headspace, there's forest, there's a lot of um, apps out there. So I do Calm app. Then I have my journal. I have a manifestation journal. I write 10 dreams every morning in the present tense. So I'm going to share with you guys the first one. A lot of them are like very close to my heart. So I'll, I'll share the first one with you guys. But I write down every single morning, Oprah and Tyler Perry are my mentors. And the reason I write it in the present tense is because when you write something so often and you train your brain to think of it as real life, when it eventually happens, I'm not going to be like, oh, Oprah's my mentor. I'm like, no, no, I've been writing this in my manifestation journal for, for five years. So of course she is. <laughs> I've been calling this into my life. Like this is the energy that I've been attracting. So yes, she's my mentor, you know? So that's so beautiful. Yeah. That's so beautiful. So writing 10 dreams in the present tense. And you're right. Cause I think a big part of it is when it does actually happen, feeling worthy of it. I know you were just on Brendan Bouchard's stage and you know, there, I didn't sense any imposter syndrome from you. It was something that you had made space for the possibilities for so long that when it arrived, it was like, yeah, this is what I've been planning for. That part, exactly that. And right after that, I have a documentary style uh, journal, which is something people find it weird, but I like to, like when quarantine happened, I would be like quarantine day 45. Here's what I ate. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what the weather's like, because you need to have your own like record of history. Like, I think it's so important to remember exactly mm. what you were doing, how you were feeling. Um, and then I have, I just started doing celery juice detoxes, which celery juice is really good for your gut health. And I did a Tony Robbins seminar with my best friend like a, a month ago. It was a virtual seminar. And they had a whole segment on celery juice. So I've been... <laughs> so <laughs> let, now you celery juice. And let me be a uh, full disclaimer here. Um, it's kind of a natural laxative. So I would not be drinking celery juice if you have to hit the road or if you plan to be in public. Like this is something sacred for your home. Okay. Um, after celery juice, I have my diffuser, which you guys can't see the video, but... You can see. Oh yeah, that does look relaxing. I can see it. They can't. Uh, like, <laughs> but I put it's a it's called Caribbean Escape, and it's a premium essential oil, and I just have that fill the air. Then I brush my teeth. I wash my face. I use Fenty Beauty and Fenty Skin, and I get about my day. I play some pump up music. Maybe I'll listen to a podcast. You know, throw on CEO School. You know, some stuff like that. <laughs> I feel like I just had a morning at the spa just listening to your morning routine. But I think what's really cool about this, and I, I've spoken to a lot of friends and r read a lot of mentors that do the same thing, you know, having systems and, you know, really preparing your mind for the day. In fact, when you're talking about documenting things, I know Tim Ferriss has documented all of his workouts. I read uh, his his book, Tools of Titans, and every single workout for like the past decade is documented. And I thought it was crazy. But I do think it's interesting to go back. And there's only a couple of times in my life I've done that. And I love going back. You know, I documented the first couple of weeks that I dated my husband. I don't know why. It's like one of the only, we go back and I laugh. It's like 1023, went to a baseball game, like, you know, like little, little things. And I do think it's really our lives are such a journey of growth. And if you don't document where you are now, how can you ever know how far you've come? So that's beautiful. And I think it's also important because like so much of our life is spent worrying about like the next thing we have to do. Like we're literally mm -hmm. running down mental to-do lists. So when you have a morning routine that keeps you present and grounded, 
it's just so powerful because you remember to just like the gratitude and the moments of like stillness, so peaceful, so powerful. And yeah, that, I mean, that's honestly, if I didn't have that morning routine, I would wake up like, check my email. What's on my to-do list? What do I have to do? So if I can can have that first hour, two hours, just be like, man, what a beautiful day. Yeah. (sighs) My diffuser. Hmm, Let me sit and meditate. Let me think about how amazing yesterday was. Let me write my dreams in the present tense. Let me document how my last day was, you know? So grounding. Well, there's always the next thing and there's always the next to-do list. And I think taking that pause is probably one of the biggest things I've seen in really successful entrepreneurs is they're not just constantly doing, 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 doing. They're taking enough time to reflect and say, this is no longer serving me. I'm not going to do it anymore. Or this is serving me. This is the direction I want to go. Instead of just getting caught in the details of just, you know, keeping the business afloat and alive. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And I I do want to say, because, you know, obviously I did not, (laughs) I did not come out of the womb, like meditating. <laughs> this has a- What? You didn't? <laughs> I thought you came out a meditating doctor. That's what I heard. Contrary to popular belief. Um, as a travel blogger, like getting on a flight every three to four days and constantly at the mercy of what I thought was like my, um, my retirement plan, my Instagram, checking it every single, as soon as I got out of bed, like who, who, who's DM me? Well, what are my comments? Who, who have I not responded to? Like I was just, oh my, I was a slave to my phone. I was a slave to social media for many years of of travel blogging. So I'm very grateful, honestly, for quarantine happening because it forced me to slow down and have this like morning routine. Yeah. Okay. What's number three? Number three, try everything. Try everything. So many times you guys have like, or we just have goals that we want to accomplish, but we can't even conceptualize how we're going to get to that goal. So we don't try anything or we just, we're so afraid to take the next step. But when I started my Bali blogger bootcamp, when I had my blog, like a boss course, when I did my sisterhood circle retreats, when I ran my first conference in Puerto Rico, the sisterhood summit, I did not know that I would do these things. I did not know that I was going to be a coach or I was going to teach or mentor people. But doing that allowed me to be such a confident speaker. I'm able to be on this podcast and like, you know, just five years ago, I was like, uh, 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 um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a learned skill. Oh, the fact that I can just speak to a fly on a wall and just have this confident tone, like that comes from doing things. So if yes. you're someone who's just like, oh, I'm shy, I'm nervous. We all start that way. Putting yourself out there, allowing yourself to be a beginner, allow yourself to suck. Honestly, <laughs> no one is good at anything when they first try it. So be willing to suck. I love that. And I, I really am just sitting here thinking it's so easy to watch people we look up to and admire and say, oh, but Glow is just so confident. She's so eloquent. And you forget those thousands of hours you spent coaching, selling, uh, public speaking, whatever it is to be able to not use as many filler words. I mean, how many hours have you listened to yourself talk? How many Insta stories have you watched back to say, could I have said that more succinctly? Can I say that better? You know, these are practice learned skills. And so if you're feeling like, oh, I'll just never be there, you will. But honestly, it's probably going to be in five years and six blogs later. And I wish people would have been more honest with me about how long it actually took. That part, that part. I just wish more more entrepreneurs would show the behind the scenes. So I have a realistic picture. Um, I, I wrote on my Instagram the other day that 
if you're not showing me the full picture, I can't be inspired by your success. If you're only showing me the highlight reel, that's not inspiring to me because I don't know what it took you to get there. Oh, if you're not showing the whole picture, I can't be inspired by your success. That's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah, because I don't know if if someone else funded that. I don't know if you had, you know, a VC backer. I I don't know if you started a Kickstarter and, you know, disabled the link app, you know? (laughs) Is that a thing? Oh, dear. I'm so terrified now. You're you're absolutely right, though. And I think that we all have different blockers and things that we have to work through in our success. And we're going to attract people that have to go through those same journeys. And so sharing those messy, uncomfortable parts of your story, it's not just how you get to the success. It's how you build a community and have people really empathize and relate to you. You know, if you hadn't shared about the hard things that you've been through, we might not be having this conversation and connection. And I always feel like, oh, I, I want to message Glow. Like I have such a deep connection with you. For someone, we haven't really talked that many times, but I know so much about your life because you share it with us. And I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. It, it's like you said, building community is all about transparency. Dave Hollis mentioned this last week, but he was like, your transparency and your vulnerability creates a stickiness to your audience. Mm. Amen. Okay. On that note, um, you're so incredible at words. You said something in one of your most recent blog posts. So you just made an announcement that after building this phenomenal seven-figure empire, you are closing, shutting down, quitting most of your offerings. And I think this is a really relatable moment. I have been in your shoes and walking away from it. And you said, if you think finding success is hard, try maintaining it. And so I'd love to hear about how you made this decision and what's next for you. Man, it, I feel like it's been, it is so, I think we deny what we should be doing because other people are in our ear telling us like, Oh, you're so lucky to have all these followers and to have Mm -hmm. done this. Like, you know, I would do anything to have, you know, and you hear all of these people like envy what you've built and you're like, oh, wait, I can't walk away from this because this is, you know, I'm so privileged to have this platform and I worked so hard to build it and, you know, I have to carry this out. Maybe I didn't put in enough time and it doesn't fulfill me right now because X, Y, Z. And you give yourself all of these excuses, not realizing that you've outgrown the lane that you started in. If you do something long enough, you will outgrow it. And I had to allow myself, give myself permission to be like, okay, I've pretty much reached the top of the travel blogging industry. And that's the reason I became a coach. And when it came to coaching, I was like, what more can I offer after a mastermind? What more is there to do? And is this the best use of my time? Because I know that I can be reaching more people, but I don't only want the people I'm reaching to be the ones that can afford, you know, a five-figure investment. And I had to kind of take a step back and look at like what I was building in the direction I was going. And I was like, is this the best use of my time? And am I serving the most people that I can just in a, in a way that's like just efficient on both sides, you know? <laughs> Tell me more. And I know this is probably <laughs> uncomfortable to talk about, but I feel like there had to have been moments where you just felt like maybe all of your work was in vain or is this it? Or... I'm ungrateful for walking away from it all or, you know, how was that? Cause I know you've made the decision. And so you're on the other side of the decision. You feel at peace with the decision. Can you take me back to that moment of friction where you really felt like the path you were on wasn't, was no longer the path you were supposed to be on and how you walked away essentially. 
Yeah. You know, I was actually talking to some of my, my friends who, you know, are in LA and they're in the entertainment world or they're actresses or singers. And so they understand what it's like to kind of outgrow their fan base or outgrow an identity that they spent so long building. Mm. Um, the first person that comes to mind is just <laughs> so funny, but Hannah Montana. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like after a while, she no longer wanted to be Hannah Montana. She wanted to be Miley Cyrus and have her identity be a completely different person than who Disney put her out. Right. And you know, the, I think a lot of the reason she like rebelled in the way she did was because she was so caged in for so long that she was like, screw it. I'm just going to go so off the deep end on the other side because I want you guys to understand that I am not this picture portrayal that, you know, I spent so many years building. And I felt like as a coach and as a mentor and just who I was, I felt so limited by what I could talk about and what I could do. And I wanted to reach more people outside of just entrepreneurship too. Like to being a multi-hyphenate and multi-passionate person who wants to talk, you know, life wisdom one day, content creation the next, production, filmmaking, culture, you know, society, racial injustice. Activism, yeah. There's so many layers to my identity. And I was like, if I'm only being a business coach, like, I don't want to say I got bored, but I was like, how many times can I preach a message of how to streamline your business, how to build content strategy. Like I almost got bored with the topics that I could talk about with coaching. I think that's really relatable. And there's a lot of people listening that have probably been in a career for a long time. Maybe that was, you know, not in entrepreneurship or you've been building a business and you just don't feel aligned or excited about it anymore. I know I walked away from, I built a really successful wellness career as a registered dietitian and walking away from it. I remember those moments really thinking, what if I can't do it again? Like, what if I'm walking away from the best thing that ever happened to me and I just can't be content with, you know, what I've built? And let me tell you, that thought crossed my mind. And here's what's so powerful about just being your own biggest fan. Because I was like, Glow, anything you touch will turn to gold. <laughs> just literally at that moment, like, Glow, you will be fine. Carry that same energy and personality into any lane that you want to explore and you'll be golden. Like, I will, I refuse to believe that, like, I have one lane and one identity that I'm supposed to chase for the next 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Like, I have so many talents and life is so short to only fulfill one purpose. And I feel like I have multiple purposes and multiple assignments that God has placed on my life. So I I feel honored and and blessed and privileged to be able to say, okay, even if I do fail at the next thing, at least I'll have fun trying it out. Like that's what life is about. The thrill of like the failure is a possibility, but also the successes too. I'm like covered head to toe chills <laughs> listening to you talk about this and it's just really powerful. We all have so many beautiful purposes and to think that we only have one career or one path, you know, is really does do a discredit to, you know, whether you believe in God or a higher being, like we are beautiful, incredible beings that have so many talents you were good at travel blogging because you're creative, because you're a great writer. Those same skills carry over into whatever you want to do next. That's it. You just said it. And I, I remember getting to a point where, and again, this is it's going to sound so privileged, so I apologize, but you know, I'm getting these- Nothing you ever say sounds privileged. Let's start there. You're a daughter of Nigerian immigrant parents who worked your butt off to build a seven-figure business from the ground up. You do not have privilege. You have the results of hard work. 
appreciate that. And, you know, as a travel blogger, it is a dream for so many to get offered five-figure contracts to basically fly around the world, create content for a couple of days and like be on vacation. Which PS is incredibly hard. My sister is a travel blogger. <laughs> she took me with her one time. I did a week of it and was like, you couldn't pay me enough to wake up at 4 a.m. with my children, wear 10 different outfits in a hundred degree weather and hop all over Tulum. So if the, the picture from your, your listening is that travel blogging is this really luxurious lifestyle. I can tell you my sister is a luxury travel blogger. And I said, nope, I chose the right career path. This is way too hard. I'm cracking up so much. It's so related. The outfit changes. Yeah. The number of outfit changes. Yep. It's I, incredible. I literally. Okay. I, I remember, so go on. I remember being in Milan and I brought a bag of like three outfits with me to the nightclub so that I can stay up for the 4 a.m. sunrise to be able to take a picture in front of a cathedral. Pathetic. Like that's not how you want to try. <laughs> but. But it also taught you creativity and work ethic and resilience. That, that and I mean, you have those phenomenal images and memories. I Those are things you can only do when you're young, I think, probably. I don't know. Maybe at 60, I will meet you at Milan. <laughs> we will pull an all-nighter and take pictures in front of the sunset. Let's commit to that right now. That part, that part. But I remember getting an email and the job was for $50,000 and it was a three-day trip. And I remember, like, I started drafting out the decline. And I was like, Glow, you have worked so it would take you in the past like four years to make this in a, in a year. Like you, mm-hmm. you have worked so hard to get to this point and you're turning these offers down. Like, who are you? Like, and this is also what's also powerful because you, you guys have probably heard this quote before. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And that is so true because my name got into rooms where I felt unqualified. And so whenever I got opportunities like that, I brought people into those rooms. And I was like, no, reach out to these people instead. Like, I love you so much. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So tell us more about that. Cause I know the whole process of, we've talked briefly about, you know, negotiating with brands and what that's like as even as a, as a black creator and your, you being in that room and saying, no, you didn't just say no. You said, Hey, this actually, this opportunity should go to this person. Every single time, every single time. Because- I want to hug you. <laughs> You're such a good person. That is exactly what we should all aspire to do. Like I have outgrown this space, but this is the perfect person to give, to help lift them up because then you're not just saying no, you're creating opportunities that didn't exist before. And there are a lot of good people that are so talented, but maybe they don't have the reach or they're just, they're yeah. one breakthrough, one collaboration away from their, their, their big, you know, burst. And I'm always like, maybe this is their moment. <laughs> you know? and, You're just yeah. such a cheerleader at heart. Like you really genuinely just want the best for other people. That, because this is an abundant world. And the sooner you can tap into that mindset of abundance, so much money, opportunity out there for everyone, it makes you want to just pour endlessly into everyone because no opportunity is taken out of my pockets. There is room for all of us to win, all of us to raise that 2% stat. So yeah, it, for me, it's, it, it doesn't even feel like revolutionary to be honest. I'm like, I've been doing this for so long. It, it, it just feels it like is, though. <laughs> it is what you're supposed to do. And at the same time, I do feel like it is revolutionary. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I decline opportunities a lot. Am I, am I, cre- am I doing the same thing? I'm not sure. Um, so I'm going to do better. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. So one of the things I'd like to talk about, because I think that when you reach this new level, And there's a lot of people listening that have reached this new level of success. If you're not there yet, you're going to get there. Give it time. Your success is inevitable. But you reach this new level and you have to step into a new version of yourself, right? We talked about you're not the same person 
with a seven figure business that you are at six, you can't be. So, um, there is a level of boundaries that you have to start to create when everybody just wants access to you, right? It's not just, you know, people offering you big contracts. Everybody wants access to you. And I know you went viral multiple times this summer. You have a lot of people DMing you, expecting access to you. And you said, people who can't access the new you will be stuck gossiping about the old you. You're the queen of quotables. Do you know that? People who can't access the new you will be stuck gossiping about the old you. So how have you created those boundaries? Whether you're an influencer or not, when you have success, people are going to ask you for advice. They're going to want your time and your energy. How have you created space so that you can still create in a way that is abundant and generous without being drained by that? Yeah, I, I think I had to have a new relationship with social media. I had to figure out like what is going to be my own new boundary with how I approach uh, comments and how I approach my DMs. Because in the past, like, you know, having 70,000 followers just seven months ago, six months ago, manageable. I can respond to every comment. I can respond to every DM. No problem. 222,000. Mm, it's just a lot. And a lot of it, strangers, honestly, who are like learning about you for the first time. So sometimes their questions are, it's questions and comments are either really basic or something that you can just like scroll a couple pages. Do the work to find the answer. That part. Yeah. So I'm just, I no longer feel guilty for like, you know, they're going to see like seen and they're not going to see a response. (laughs) Like, I don't feel guilty for not responding to everyone. And if you are listening to this and you're like, man, you know, celebrities or, you know, people with a lot of followers, are, they're so stuck up. They don't have mm. you know, time for real people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, imagine getting thousands of DMs every single day. like, And that not being your full-time job. Oof. No one owes you anything. Like the level of entitlement that people approach social media with. I hope you see my my DM glow. I hope you finally respond. I don't know who you think you are now. You've changed so much, but I hope you respond. Getting those type of DMs, I'm like, oh, God bless. Oof. <laughs> Restrict. <laughs> I'm fist pumping so hard. You can't see me. I'm fist pumping so hard. Nobody owes you anything. And if there is a creator that is taking their time to share with you for free, give you free advice, free wisdom, show up daily on their stories. That is a gift they're giving you for free. A gift. Be grateful. And hi and please and thank you go a long way. Sometimes I'll get DMs like, what's that? Tell me the name of this. What are you reading right now? I'm curious. What It's just like, hi, good morning. Hi, I'm a human. Yeah. yeah. And I think for like those of you listening, they're getting stuck in this pattern of just feeling like so drained, feeling the need to, as an empath and service provider, like what has helped you the most to just say like, hey, every DM doesn't need to be replied to. I'm doing enough and this is where I draw the line. I'm coaching. I'm not holding hands. What's helped you to create that separation? I think it comes down to just, again, not being on social media as much as I used to. So maybe, you know, I was spending three hours on Instagram before. Now it's like 30 minutes. I post and I leave. (laughs) So giving myself my own boundaries of saying like, well, if I don't see the DMs because I'm not on Instagram constantly, I'm not going to feel obligated to respond. So a lot of times I'll just post, I'll post in my stories, I'll post on my feed, and then I leave the platform. I get off, you know, and I use an app called App Block. And it basically, even when you open it, it has this really like dramatic effect that's like, whoosh, and it takes the app away. <laughs> it oh, reminds- I'm writing that down. App block. App so it gives you timers on when to go in and things like that? Well, you get to set the timer? interval. 
you get to yeah. set the intervals, but usually like 12 p.m. to like 9 p.m. I'm like, don't let me access any of my social media. <laughs> That's so smart though. It's such, it's such a time suck. And you create phenomenal content, but you sit down in a different time when you're in your creation mode than just being in there giving your access to your energy is a privilege. That's one of my favorite quotes. That's one of my favorite mantras. Access to your energy is a privilege. You don't owe anybody anything. You can go, you can spend your time and your energy creating out of the goodness of your heart. And then whatever energy people get from you past that, it's your decision. It's all a gift. Yes. And create before you consume. If you are like stuck in this like mental block, like, oh, I want to put something creative out there. Like go find inspiration to create something. Don't consume a bunch of content, feel worse about yourself, feel imposter syndrome, and just like keep scrolling this endless feed of just like everyone's highlight reels. So get off of social media in general, like go watch the social dilemma. It's just so good. It's a reminder that like, these algorithms are built to kind of keep you addicted to the high that comes with like amazing, 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 amazing. People like me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Okay. I would love to, before we wrap up, this has been phenomenal. Talking with you is always a dream. I always learn something new. I would love to hear just your best pieces of advice for someone listening. Maybe they're walking away, pivoting in a season where they're putting in those hours and it's not getting the results they want yet. What are the best pieces of advice you could leave us with for the day? Gosh, the first one is something that I'm still struggling with, but don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. I think as someone who, again, this is a little bit of like Nigerian trauma, because if you ask for help as a Nigerian you know, kid, that was a sign of weakness. And you would like literally get like reprimanded for it. Like, Gloria, what, what, what do you mean? I'm like, mom, what's two plus two? Oh, whoa, you go, go on, figure it out. You know? And it wasn't like, oh, okay. So it's four. You know, it was like this, yeah. you know, this yelling of like, how do you, what do you mean? You don't know what it is. So I, I, I carried that into my adulthood where I just didn't know how to ask for help. So now I'm at a place where I remember I reached out to a really successful friend, um, millions of followers on Facebook. They're so in demand. And I was just like, oh my God, they're the only person that I know can relate. I have this very specific question. So I reached out and I was like, Hey, do you mind hopping on like a zoom call and just for 15 minutes, just workshopping some ideas I'm going through something. And I think you'd be able to help. And they literally within seconds, like it would be my absolute honor. Oh my gosh, Bill. Of course I would. And I literally, I just started crying because I was like, these people want to help me. Like they, they're so in demand. Like what? And when you've worked, when you've put in the time, you've put in the work, you've built something, people can see that. Like, it's not like you're asking for a handout or you're just like, oh, help me figure something out. Like they know that you've done the grunt work. They know that you've put in your time and that there are certain things that you navigate as a successful person that you can't just Google. It's something that if you have gone through it, you, you can only learn it through experience. And so reaching out to other experienced people is the only way to learn it. It can also be a gift for them to get to walk through somebody else. You know, I was thinking, I was talking with one of our coaches today, something she's going through and she was saying similarly, like, thank you so much. And it's a, it's a gift for me to be able to, I had, I struggled through this and I took me a long time to find answers. She's still going to have to struggle through it too, but that is, I mean, what life is all about. And we just talked about protecting your energy and not being there for everybody, but you're absolutely right. Like you, one, my, something my dad always said was you never know unless you ask, mm-hmm. you never know unless you ask the worst that the worst thing that can happen is a DM doesn't get replied to the worst thing that can happen is they say no, you know? And I think sometimes we talk up these stories in our head, like someone's going to yell at you for not knowing the answers, like what might've happened as a child. That's probably not the scenario that's going to happen. And you're, you're not going to know you're, there's no way to get those answers unless you ask. 
That's exactly it. Um, another thing I would say if you're looking to pivot, so whatever industry or lane you're in, you no longer have to. And again, if you have the disposable income or the resources to invest, but a lot of times you're, you're either going to have more time or more money. It's, it's usually you either have a lot of time and no money or a lot of money and no time. Pick your poison, pick which one you're willing to invest. Time is the most valuable non-renewable resource. So again, if you can buy and save time, again, my 19 years of blogging is why I was able to build a course that taught people 19 years worth of experience. Sure, you can spend 19 years learning what I did. No one wants that anymore. So find the courses, find the programs, find the podcasts that exist to educate you on the very things that you're trying to learn in this new lane while you're pivoting. You no longer have to try to do all the guesswork and figure it out. Like invest the courses and the programs exist. It's been such an honor chatting with you. I've loved everything that you've said. I feel like I've just been over here saying, amen, (laughs) amen, (laughs) what she said louder. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can everybody find you? Do you have anything that you are working on right now that you want to share with us? Thank you so much for having me. This was, it was amazing. Um, yeah, I hang out the most on Instagram. So glow graphics and yeah, to kind of learn everything I did to scale my business, you can go to milliondollarsshortcut.com. Thank you so much, glow. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We want to invite you to follow CEO school on Instagram for show notes, inspiration, and exclusive behind the scenes you won't find anywhere else. We also have an absolutely incredible free resource for you. It's the seven lessons we learned building seven and eight figure businesses. These are complete game changers and we want to give it to you completely free. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast, why you love listening, screenshot the review and email it to hello at ceoschoolpodcast.com and we'll send it your way. See you in the next class.